Bad snap. Bobble. Oh, Scoops oh. up. Here come the Spartans. Touchdown, MSU. From WDBM East Lansing, you're listening to the Green and White Report, a production from Impact Sports. This is your source for sports news, debates, and more for Michigan State, Detroit, and the rest of the sports world. Good morning, East Lansing. Welcome into the Green and White Report. Another beautiful Sunday, October 17th, 2021, 11 a.m. here in East Lansing. Joined by another special guest host this Sunday morning, and that'd be my roommate and lifelong friend, Nathan Stearns, stepping in the co-host chair. Nathan, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing absolutely great, Mr. Sloan. How are you doing? Fantastic. Nathan was in Bloomington yesterday, so we got plenty on tap with Spartan football. I guess we'll just dive right into it here to start the show. 20-15 to win yesterday for Michigan State. Ugly win, but it was a win indeed over Indiana in Bloomington. Nathan was there. He covers football for WDBM. So, Nathan, I'm just going to bounce it to you You're right away, right off the top of the show. 7-0 and Spartans, top 10 team, headed into the bye, headed into Michigan week. Initial thoughts, reactions from Bloomington? Yeah, I told our my broadcast partner, Zach Serdnick, after the game, I've never felt so despondent after a win in my entire life because that was a display by two football teams who were trying to give the game out on a silver platter. No, you take it and run. No, you take it and run. No, you take it and run. But the end of the day, a win is a win. And you can talk about the penalties. You can talk about having 57 yards of total offense in the first half. You can talk about Jalen Naylor being a non-factor, four catches, 22 yards. But you found a way to win. You're 7-0 and on the season, and you now have four road wins. You have three conference road wins. And you're top the Big Ten East. You're the only Big Ten East team right now that is seven and zero. Indiana came into this game without Taiwan Molden, without starting quarterback Michael Penix. But at the end of the day, it was homecoming. They had a bye week. They were rested. Tom Allen's a good coach, and they knew they needed to win this game to keep their bowl eligibility hopes in a good spear. They're two and four now. Obviously, they could still run the table and make something happen, but with Michigan and Ohio State, they're really floating on a razor's edge. So you knew you were going to get everything they had, and you found a way to win. Now, Peyton Thorne wasn't pretty. Two interceptions the first time that that's happened since Penn State of last year. Kenneth Walker bottled up, doesn't even get to 90 rushing yards. But with all of that, it was encouraging to see Tyler Hunt get involved and Peyton Thorne showing Jaden Reed and Jayla Naylor how to properly catch a ball in double coverage and just all of these other things that you had to do to win, you did. You know, a couple of particulars real quick in this game. Peyton Thorne, 14 of 26 for 126 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions like Nathan mentioned. Kenneth Walker the third, not his greatest game, 23 carries for 84 yards, three and a half yards about a carry, had a long carry of 13 yards. But a win is a win, like Nathan said. This is a 7-0 football team headed into the bye week, headed into the Michigan week eventually. The Wolverines will play Northwestern next week at noon at the Big House to try to also improve to 7-0 for that big matchup Halloween weekend. Plenty of things to clean up for in this game. Penalties, you know, not the greatest game for Peyton Thorne. Offensive line, wasn't great. Overall, I, a pretty sleepy performance of the Spartans. Nathan, if there's one thing you could you'd single out as kind of what you want to improve the most out of that game, you, you can say yours first and then I'll jump in with mine. I was going to say penalties, but I won't go with penalties. Is the As Luke describes me, the resident offensive line guru, that first half was a 
complete dichotomy of how not to play offensive line. When it's third and one and the only All-American on the defense rushes off the right side through Kevin Jarvis and AJR Curie, AJR Curie's a grad student. Kevin Jarvis has started 35-plus games at every spot imaginable, Sands, left guard, and center. There's a problem. And when Peyton Thorne is dropping back to pass and Micah McFadden, again, is in his face because J.D. Duplain's not able to pick up the twist in time in the A-gap, there's a problem. And Mel will always say, oh, you know, I like the fact we can rotate in nine guys. That's what they're still doing. And obviously the questions of who starts next week or in two weeks against Michigan get a little bit cloudier because the first offensive line struggle, and we actually probably saw a little bit more success in the second offensive line with Nick Samak in and Matt Carrick and a lot of these other guys, Blake Buter at left guard, Luke Campbell. I'm more of the philosophy. It's sort of like the back, the old backup quarterback argument where if you have two good quarterbacks, you have none. you got to settle on your starting five. It's week seven. How many other teams do you ever see rotate in nine offensive linemen as we're now heading into the fifth week of conference play? It, it, you know, on the on the Fox Sports One broadcast, because I was not at the game, I was here in East Lansing watching the game. They all they almost called it uh, hockey line changes on on the Fox Sports One broadcast. Blake Buter would come in the game. Nick Samak, uh, Kevin Jarvis would kick out to right tackle. I I don't know if I'm a fan of the line changes either. I mean, you're the expert on this, Nathan, as someone who played offensive line, someone who knows the offensive line game. You figure that for cohesion and chemistry purposes, the best move would be, especially at this point in the season, to solidify a group of five, you'd think. Yeah, you would. And it's not... Is much. It's just a lot of subtlety. You have to have five guys going in the same spot at the same time. And if I'm doing a combo block, I might know that you know I can trust Jarvis to reach block and get to the second level a split second before I can trust Blake Buter or someone like that. There's just subtle intricacies on the offensive line, and you need to get five guys. Cohesion is so important because you have to have five guys stepping the same way, going to the same spot. Say what you want about defensive line. Say what you want about two offensive linemen have to be able to block one guy and climb. And everybody does it a little bit differently. Blake Buter is not going to block exactly the same way that J.D. Duplain does. Luke Campbell's not going to block the exact same way that Jarrett Horst does. And you have to adjust that accordingly. They each have their strengths. They each have their weaknesses. So when you keep doing this and keep doing this and keep doing this, not only do you struggle to build that overall cohesive unit, but... What do you do if you're Peyton Thorne? Like, you're getting stamps from two different centers. And just what I've observed, you know, is an example. Matt Allen, snap, they're both accurate stampers, but Nick Samak snaps it with a dead ball stamp and does it with a little bit more juice. Matt Allen snaps it, almost lobs it back there a little bit more. It both gets back there, but those are just the subtle things that you have to adjust for. Your reaction speed, if you're Thorne when you're taking the snap from Samak, just has to be a little bit quicker. So I'd like to see them settle, but I also said this after Northwestern, and at the end of the day, it's nitpicking. You're 7-0. Until it starts biting you in the butt, I mean... It is what it is. Winning cures all. A win is a win. As Mel Tucker says, keep chopping. They they did keep chop. The the Rutgers game, not pretty. Indiana game, not pretty. You know, we don't like to BS on this show about penalties or officiating, but the officiating yesterday was, we'll just say, not great. They, they missed a couple of calls, particularly out-of-bounds calls, that were just not pretty. The obvious, the Peyton Thorn catch from Tyler Hunt was he was clearly inbounds missed that the the Marshall K 
catch in the end zone was which was called the touchdown on the field later overturned was kind of surprising so I don't want to get too deep into penalties but one thing in the in the penalty spirit I want to get into is these the special teams penalties it seems like it's a common theme for this club every week in week out they get called for two illegal formation penalties on like the on the punt team or something this you got to figure that's something they're going to emphasize headed into the bye week but it's just kind of getting annoying it is and it's it was two consecutive illegal formation penalties on two back-to-back drives in the third quarter and it's like what are you doing like this is just an example like all these guys that are rushing out on the special teams unit don't really play anywhere else. Like, this is your time to play. Like, you don't have to memorize as much because you have Donovan Eaglin and you have Harold Joyner and Kendall Brooks and all these second and third stringers that only traveled for depth depth purposes on that punt return and punt coverage team. Not even just the procedural stuff hurts. I mean, you had the false start deep in the end zone in the first half, but Kevin Jarvis with the holding penalty, and Jarrett Horst needs to learn to get his hands inside. He had two holding penalties against Youngstown State. He had two holding penalties yesterday. It's even more pronounced when you consider the fact he's only getting 60% of the offensive snaps. He's not even playing the entire game, and it's penalty, 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 penalty. And I was the, I'll be the first one to admit, on the broadcast, I was a little upset with the Miles Marshall thing, and then you saw the replay on the big board, and it was clear his foot was clearly out, and you have the back judge standing right there. Wasn't a big fan of the Jacob Panachuk roughing the passer call, but at the end of the day, when you have 12 penalties for 134 yards, chances are a decent amount of them were fair. And it was just Michigan State again trying to give this game away as much as they could. Chester Kimbrough forces the fumble late in the fourth quarter, recovers the fumble, and then two plays later, Peyton Thorne throws an interception. Like at that point, it's like, oh my gosh! Like neither can neither one of these teams win. Like Chester, can we just go back to East Lansing with Chester Kimbrough has got two of the the probably the two biggest defensive plays of the year for Michigan State, which is interesting to think about. He had the interception in overtime against Nebraska in week four. He had this strip, and Jacob Slade recovered the fumble. He's arguably He arguably has the two biggest defensive plays of the year for the Spartans. 517-884-8989 is the telephone number. You can text us in using that number. You can also tweet the show on Twitter using the hashtag GWReport. The question is this. This is the best Michigan State football team since blank. The best Michigan football, t- the Michigan State football team since when? You can text us in, you can tweet us using that number. But I- I'm going to go first, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts as well, Nathan. I think that this is the best Michigan State football team. Obviously, the Spartans seven and zero this season after yesterday's win in Bloomington. The best Michigan State football team since the 2015 college football playoff appearance. Obviously, 2016 was a three and nine year. 18 and 19 were both six and six years in the regular season. 2017 is really the only year that I think can play to this year. That's when the Spartans went 10 and three. They won a Holiday Bowl game. Brian Lewerke's sophomore year, pretty decent club. I think the defense carried that team. The offense was just abysmal. That was when Dave Warner was here, and they were still running short side jet sweeps on a consistent basis. But this Michigan State team this year and the job that Mel Tucker has done, in my opinion, is the best Michigan State football team since the 2015 college football playoff appearance. What are your thoughts, Nathan? I didn't want to go down the same road as you, but I can't see the 2017 team either. And as you said, that's the only other consideration that I really think you could have. 
27, the 2017 Michigan State football team scored 24 and a half points a game, 96 out of 130. So that alone, for me, disqualifies them. I'm with you. You're 7-0 and in conference. Peyton Thorne is looking more and more like Connor Cook every day. And then, obviously, Kenneth Walker's trying to do his best LJ Scott, Madre London impression. And then, you know, while Michigan State doesn't have a guy that's per- performing at the same level as Aaron Burbridge with his 1,300-yard receiving season, Jalen Naylor, Naylor and Jaden Reed almost combined to give you the production that he has. But when I look up and down the ride with Felton Davis and a lot of these other guys that we, you know, talk about and talk about and talk about, there's a lot of eerily similar sort of similarities between both these teams. And you hear it every day. Michigan State off to the best start since 2015. Michigan State off to the best start since 2015. The difference between the 2017 team and why I can't rise with the 2017 team, MSU can actually beat you through the air. MSU can actually score the bloody ball. Go before going into this game, you put thirty, you put up thirty-one against Rutgers, you put up thirty-eight against Miami, you put up thirty-one against Northwestern, you put up forty-eight against Western Kentucky. And I know Western Kentucky has one of the best, has one of the worst defenses in all of college football, but still, they came into the le- yesterday's game averaging almost thirty-seven points a game was one of the better marks in the country. It's the fact that they're so multifaceted, and it's not just Kenneth Walker, Kenneth Walker, Kenneth Walker, just Aaron Burbridge, Aaron Burbridge, Aaron Burbridge in the case of the 2015 team. You have Jaden Reed, you have Jalen Naylor, you have Kenneth Walker, and you can take all three of those out of the game, and then the defense is going to bail you out, and you're still going to find a way to win the game on the road. So in terms of depth and just terms of like the overall scope, i got to go with the 2015 team as well because I think at the trajectory they're currently on, if you can find a way in two weeks to knock off Michigan, then the Big Ten East gets a whole heck of a lot more interesting. We're going to get into a lot of big-picture stuff here in the second segment. We have special guest Luke Maloney here in studio to talk some football and some football, both soccer and football, if you want to put it that way. 517-884-8989, once again, is the telephone number. Nathan and I both think that this is the best Michigan State team since the 2015 college football playoff. We think this team trumps the 2017 team. Once again, taking nothing away from the 2017 team, it was a double-digit win club. Holiday Bowl win. It's a Holiday Bowl is a very prestigious bowl. They beat a good Washington State team with Mike Leach. I I, I don't think you're giving as much love to the Holiday Bowl as I as I think. I saw you shake your head over there. I mean, it's it's it's, okay. the, it's a good it's a good bowl, but it's not you know going to the college football playoff. It's it, usually like an eight and four bowl, something like that for for each team. The, Washington State was pretty decent that year. That, that that was a pretty good year for the Big Ten 2017. Michigan made a good bowl. I think they were in the Orange Bowl. Ohio State made the playoff that year, as they always do and probably will this year as well. But the question remains, this is the best Michigan State team since when? You can ha- you can use the hashtag GWReport on Twitter. Tweet us in with your thoughts. You can also text in 517-884-8989. On the other side of the break here on the Green and White Report, we'll be joined live in studio by Luke Maloney. For the next two segments, talk a little MSU football, talk a little MSU soccer. We're rolling here on a Sunday on the Green White Report. Yeah, yeah, I'm out at Brooklyn. Now I'm down in Traffic, but right next the to the White Report. Luke Sloan, Brent Valley, not here this week. Nathan Stearns filling in for him. Henry Menegos, as always, and now joined in studio by special guest Luca Maloney. Little MSU football roundtable on tap here for the next segment. Henry, I wanted to bounce it to you for for a quick second, though. This kind of leads into our football conversation. 
the Izone campout on Friday night. I was at the Izone campout with you. I, I didn't spend the night, but I did give it a look, check it out. What, what, what were your impressions of the, the Izone campout as a first-time campout goer? Ah, no microphone? That's all right. We, we'll, we'll adjust on the fly. We'll adjust on I, Tough times. I guess uh, this is a good example. We'll kick it to right. We'll kick it right to Luca. That's okay. We can adjust on the fly. Luca, how you doing this morning? Good. Thank you for having me today, Sloan and Stearns and so, Henry in the back. Henry Henry is 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 trying to is get. He's getting our microphone issue worked out. He's the best in the business. We'll have this under control right away. But we'll, let's talk some MSU football here on the Green and White Report. Five one seven eight eight four eight nine eight nine is the phone number. Answering the question: This is the best Michigan State team since when? Luke, I want to kick it to you real quick. We'll do a little roundtable action here. What do you think the ceiling is for this Michigan State football team? 7-0, and headed into the bye. Michigan is on the clock now. What do you see the ceiling for this team as? Is this a 9-win team, a 10-win team? Could they come out of the Big Ten East? What's the picture look like for you? Uh, for me, you have to take it day by day with this team because at the end of the day, their spirits are high, their ambitions are very high, so every game is a diff- it's a different story. And as we've seen against Indiana... Every game is going to be a different challenge. So the ceiling for this team is high, but they also have to keep their realistic expectations on the table. I think I completely agree with you. The expectations for this team have dramatically changed throughout the season. It went from 6-6 six and six being a, a big win in my book. Entering the year, I thought 6-6, six and six, make would a bowl. Would be decent. I thought I thought it'd be pretty good. I mean, this was a two and five football team last year. Lost fifteen players to the transfer portal. Six and six. I mean, it was the goal. It was the expectation. But I mean, obviously, that's increased exponentially now. You're absolutely right. I said along with Luke, get to six and six. Get to the quick lane bowl. I don't care what bowl it is. If you get a three hundred thousand dollar payout, so be it. The Dollar General Bowl. <laughs> Everyone loves that one. Jet the Gasparilla Bad Boy Mowers Bowl. Just prove that your program's actually going in the right direction, as Mel Tucker would always say, don't get stuck in neutral. Get back to neutral and then accelerate. For me, I'm saying between 9 and 10 wins. I've kind of gone back and forth with this. The Michigan game I have is a toss-up. You'll take care of Maryland at home, and even though I might differ from you, Luke, on this, Purdue doesn't scare me. Yeah, we we had a great conversation in our apartment this morning over cereal. I said, is this Purdue game all of a sudden uh, becoming more interesting now that they knocked off number two Iowa? But they do this every year, though, and they still only win six games. David Bell might be the best receiver in the Big Ten. He could rival Chris Olave for that title. He's he's a good player, but I think I'm on the same page as you. Uh, Nathan, what are your thoughts on this team? Ten wins the expectation now? Nine? Nine, I would. Nine is the borderline. I mean, if you lose to Michigan, you lose to Penn State, you lose to Ohio State, but you take care of Purdue and Maryland, you're nine and three. You're probably going to the Citrus Bowl. Meanwhile, little interesting tidbit: they had two Citrus Bowl reps and two VRBO uh, Outback Bowl reps at the game yesterday at the Indiana game. Wow, so, this is the insider information that only a reporter on site could give. So us. it's like you know what I think you you can start to see where if Michigan State can't get around those three teams now, if you beat Michigan, that alters your trajectory. You beat Michigan. Let's say you beat Purdue, you beat Maryland, you lose to Penn State, Ohio State, you're probably looking at the Peach Bowl. You're probably looking at a lower New Year's Six, and you're going down to Atlanta, which would be a massive, massive accomplishment. But the biggest thing for me is going to be that Michigan game, because that's going to be, as you would call it, separation Saturday, because you also have Penn State traveling down to Columbus. And if MSU can win that game, 
then not only do you have a game over Michigan, you have the tiebreaker with two winnable games coming up. The bottom tier for me is nine wins. Got to beat Maryland, got to beat Purdue. Eight wins ain't going to cut it anymore. I need to see you in the Citrus Bowl or the Outback Bowl for me to consider this year a success. My mindset on this year has just wildly changed since the beginning. Like I said, six and six was the expectation. It's what I wanted to happen. A bowl win, something. Just get those extra practices in Mel Tucker's second year. But since the team has just kind of slowly but steadily won week to week to week, I've found myself not wanting to necessarily forecast to the large future and just stay toward the immediate future because it's just a week-by-week thing. I continue to be stunned with Mel Tucker's performance this year, how he's got the team playing. And every year, we're on to Indiana. We're on to Rutgers. It seems like every week I just say we're on to the next team, and hey, we're on to the bye now. So, But Luke, I want to get your thoughts as well. How do you see the rest of the season playing out for for the Spartans? Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Purdue, and Maryland. Well, what kind of record do you expect them to have in those games? Is this a 9-win team, a 10-win team? What do you think? Well, a little bit like Stearns, like Stern said, 9 wins should be a bottom line. You should be a, you should be able to get the win against Purdue. And if you're looking at an Ohio State team that is coming off a couple of losses in the near future and doesn't look as sharp, you should also be able to pick up some points there. Yeah, I so, completely agree. No re- and then of course, it's a separation Saturday, like you said, against Michigan. That's going to separate this team into what they really are versus what their expectations are. So so Michigan State has a really good chance to impress everyone this season like they already have. Separate. But now, now it's taking that next step into, are they serious? Separation Saturday is a really, really good way to put it. I love that slogan. It, that's going to be that Michigan-Michigan State game. It separates a lot of things. The cream of the crop in the state, the cream of the crop in the Big Ten East. Both teams are undefeated so far in the Big Ten. And this kind of leads me into the next question I wanted to ask you both. The odds that we see two undefeated teams matching up on Halloween weekend at Spartan Stadium, I think they are extremely high. I know Northwestern picked up a win yesterday over Rutgers. I can, I'm can. i completely yes, blanking. Yes, they did. Wow, Rutgers. Yikes for them. I think the odds we see two undefeated teams matching up on Halloween weekend is extremely high. I don't think Michigan's going to have a problem with Northwestern at home. In the Jim Harbaugh era, it is common practice for them to beat lesser Big Ten opponents at home. So, I mean, Luca, is it any question that they're going to beat Northwestern and, and be undefeated? I don't think so. Yeah, no question about it. Both teams are going to go in there undefeated. Nathan, uh, you agree? Absolutely. I any, We went to Piscataway and watched that game. Noah Vidral's not a good quarterback. Bo Melton being out really sort of hampers this offense. Aaron Crookshank, who's Rutgers' best wide receiver, would probably be WR number three on Michigan State. Isaiah Pacheco isn't anything special. Northwestern's okay. I mean, Hunter Johnson, they got some guys with Bryce Kurtz and Hunter Johnson and Stephon Robinson. We saw them hit a couple long deep balls against Michigan State, but no, I don't think this is a game they can hang in the big house for four quarters. I got Michigan winning this one easily. I'm a huge Pat Fitzgerald guy. I hope I, I never hope he goes to coach the Chicago Bears because I'd have to root against him as a Lions fan. I love Pat Fitzgerald. I want to talk, kind of increasing the picture little by little, talk about the Big Ten East as a whole. It's probably a certainty that Iowa comes out of the West. I know they lost to Purdue yesterday. Purdue is terrible. Purdue might be a bowl team this year. We'll see. But how are we feeling about this this Big Ten East race? And in your mind, who is the favorite? I'll go first. Until they prove me wrong, I, I got to go roll with Ohio State. There's, they seem to be hitting their stride. 
I know they they had a bye this week. Before that, they just creamed Rutgers in Maryland, so not necessarily A1 talent across the way. But it seems like they're getting some stuff figured out on defense. C.J. Stroud is really starting to settle in as their starting quarterback. I don't think the offense is a problem at all. Henderson, Olave, the, the list goes on and on with the receivers they have. Clifford going down for Penn State, I think it really, really hurt them because I liked this Penn State team. Even though they lost to Iowa, I still like the Auburn win. I still was pretty high on them. But until they prove me wrong, I got to roll with the Buckeyes. Nathan, you have thoughts? Yeah, I'm on the exact same wavelength as you are. Imagine that. Look I at all. We're we're agreeing too much on this show. Well, how can typical you... <laughs> typical sports talk radio is screaming at each other with uh, objecting yeah. opinions. You but, put yeah. 65 up on Maryland two weeks ago, and you dropped 52 against Rutgers. How am yeah. I supposed to pick against that? How it's how do you stop against the Buckeyes? Travion yeah. Henderson and Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and Jackson Smith Najoka. It's just. They got three guys with over 450 receiving yards and a rusher with over 600 yards. They have it's a four-headed monster, and I, I've always been you know kind of on the same wavelength with Luke when it comes until someone can prove that they can knock Ohio State off. Ryan Day's 20 and 0 in conference play since coming to Ohio State. Someone's got to prove that they can actually beat him. And until they do, I can't pick against Ohio State. I don't care who it's against. And I know if Michael Mark. If Michael Markoch, one of our loyal volunteers, our is listening, friend, Michael he's probably laughing right now. And he he was talking our ear off yesterday about Ohio State this and Ohio State that. Never liked Ohio State, but I respect them. And I Michigan's not going to beat them. We hear this every year. I'm not going to become you know Jim Brandstad and Dan Deardorff and oh Michigan's going to find a way this year. No, you're not. No, you're not. Give me Ohio State. I. You scored 110 points. I don't care who it's against. Anytime you put up 66 points against a Power 5 team, after putting up 52 points the week before, that signals to me you're starting your trajectory up. You're starting to hit your stride at the right time. I think that it's pretty simple with the Buckeyes. You look, for example, in 2018, excuse me, 2017, they had a home loss to Oklahoma at home. What did they do after they lost to Oklahoma at home in Baker Mayfield? They won every game on the rest of their schedule. So to anybody who wanted to say that necessarily that after they lost to Oregon that they were somehow down and out and going to be terrible, I know that the offense or I know that the defense looked just terrible in that game for Ohio State, but they bounced back with Urban. I know it's that was an Urban Meyer year. Ryan Day picked up where he left off. Luca, I think you agree with the fact that it's it's the Buckeyes until it's not the Buckeyes, essentially. Yeah, I mean, you can't unsee the pedigree that Ohio State has in, in this competition for the last years in the Big Ten. So, obviously, you got they got a tough schedule coming up, too. They have Indiana, then Penn State. So, as long as if they can do a defensive stop and see how they can slow down the Buckeyes' offense, which, honestly, I doubt it then we're going to just see the same Ohio State team that is going to roll through the rest of the calendar. Are we giving Ohio State the edge over Penn State? They, they're both going to match up in two weeks when Michigan-Michigan State match up. Are we, are we giving them that edge as well? Teams don't go down to the shoe and live to tell the tale, especially with a quarterback who's going to be at 65% because three of his ribs are cracked. Yeah, easily. Give I me Ohio State. C.J. Stroud, his ceiling, I think, in Ohio State is pretty high as well. I don't want to turn this into the Ohio State show. But this is is one of the more competitive Big Ten Easts in recent memory. Michigan, Michigan State, both undefeated to start this year. Ohio State, undefeated in conference play. Penn State is a very, very good club. Indiana, do we, I, do we think they're going to make a bowl? They'd really have to pull out some stops. 
Yeah, I, I saw that your facial expression on that one too, Nathan. The, the rest of the way for the Hoosiers is going to be pretty brutal. You still got Michigan and Ohio State. I mean, and then you got to run the table. I don't have their schedule pulled up in front of me, but regardless of who you play, asking you have to go four on no. I think that you have to go to Minnesota too, which is not the easiest not game easy. in the world. Yeah, no, no, the only game I, you might pull out is against Rutgers. So I no, yeah. I don't think they do. You put yourself in a big, big hole being two and four. And even though half the teams they play this are gonna be in the AP poll top ten, maybe by the time it's all said and done, you've already lost to Iowa, you've already lost to Penn State, you've already lost to MSU, you've already lost to Cincinnati. They have a tough schedule, but it doesn't make a difference. You're still two and four when you're putting yourself that much behind the eight ball halfway through the year, I say no. Well, we're gonna switch gears here in our next segment. Luke is gonna stay here for the next segment as well. We're we're gonna we're gonna go from football to football. I suppose. Luca, do you call soccer football? Are you a traditionalist? It depends where I am. It's situa- it's situational. I know Ian Gilmore, partner at the Martin Download. Is Baker big, as well. Yeah, they're big football guys. I do it situationally where it is, so I'm glad to call it soccer here. Football is on tap next, though. Michigan State men's and women's soccer with Luca here in studio. Coming up next on the Green and White Report. Welcome back to the Green and White Report here on WDBM. I don't think there's any water in this radio station. I, I ran off during that break to try to get some water to quench my thirst because we're just rocking and rolling on this Sunday morning. But looks like the only thing I have here to quench my thirst is coffee. So I guess we'll see how that goes. But it's men's and women's soccer time with Luca live in studio. I guess my first question, Nathan and I are going to kind of go back and forth with some questions. What are the chances, Luca, in your opinion, that both the the men's and women's teams both make the NCAA tournament at this point? What are those chances, and what is each team's best best path to making the NCAA tournament? So it's a different situation for both teams at the moment. Women's and men's are two different storylines going ahead, and each I would consider a success. Men's at this point, uh, before the Western Michigan game, had the first, was ranked first in the toughest schedule for Division One men's soccer, according to RPI. And that is impressive as it is. They haven't been winning much, but they also haven't been losing greatly either, which gives me the impression that they play really well. They just can't finish against opponents in the right way. And for women's, it's a really different story because it, the program completely changed. Jeff Hostler comes in, gets his team ready for a season. We thought, we, we none of us at the Martin Download with Ian Gilmore and Adam Baker, we didn't see this coming. We didn't see the transition being so fluid and just jumping in right away to a winning season after going back-to-back in a 1-1-9 one, one, seasons in 2019 and 2020. So the path for an NCAA tournament for women's is very likely. They're, for, they're in fourth place right now in the Big, Big Ten standings. And with a win today against Rutgers, it's very difficult. They're a great opponent to play against. But for women's, it's they have to get four out of their next six points on the table to secure a place in the Big Ten tournament. And I think the NCAA tournament is very likely. As for men's, men's is a very different schedule. So today they play against Ohio State, which is massive three points for them if they can pick up the win. Other than that, they have Maryland and Northwestern. We at DeMartin Download expect at least three points out of the next three games. So we'll see today. Nathan, you have a question? Yeah, I have several questions, actually. My first question, what um, 
with so many underclassmen leading this team, you obviously have Gio Wahlberg, you have Daniel Stefan, you have Cameron Evans, just a lot of these players that have helped to solidify the program. Who has been the most impressive underclassmen, freshman and sophomore this season, that's really going to be a, find- a foundational program piece going forward? For me, the most impressive undercla- underclassman hostlers team is Ivana Labovich. We've seen her play almost every position on the field excepting goal. Is hmm. she? She's a great player. She's... Uh, she plays the most minutes in midfield out of anybody else there. Um, she transitioned from a winged role last year, and also she was playing forward. She ended up as the team's top goal scorer with three goals last season. Today, she uh, today this season, she is on four goals, and she's playing a completely different position. So her versatility, the way she moves the ball, and the way she's also been scoring as of lately, she's been very impressive to all of us. I guess kind of as a follow up to that, do you see it, do you see it as a concern that this team is so has such a veteran presence or do you are you confident in the recruits coming in, the the youth on this team that Hostler and company can have success next year as well? Are you are you maybe a little concerned that the production is so old to say? Not really just because we've seen what the younger players can do in this team and it's exciting. As for the veteran players that were on this team, they had to endure two very difficult seasons out of their four at at Michigan State before the twenty eight before the twenty eighteen season. So it's been difficult, but they're uh, they're looking to end their senior year with multiple wins and a possible Big Ten tournament challenge. And yes, you're you're gonna lose players like Cameron Evans and Danielle Stefan who have been instrumental to this team. They score goals, they create goals. But I believe Hostler has a good recruiting ability and will be able to replace those pieces. You know, I want to talk big picture as well. Coach Hostler, obviously year one in East Lansing, coming over from Grand Valley State. What do you see as his ceiling as head coach of the Spartans in the future? Is this a team that's going to consistently make the NCAA tournament, in your opinion? Could they contend for Big Ten titles? Is the sky really the limit with Hostler and East Lansing? Yeah, I mean, we've been gui- we've under Martin Downlet. I've been guilty of being the Hostler fan club. That's times. all right. I, he's he's just breathed so it's, much life into the program. He does, and he if you ever get the chance to talk to him, he's a great guy to talk to. Very intelligent, and m- most importantly, he has a he puts this team in a good idea of how you want them to play. Their soccer is fluid. It's strong. It's foundationally just set in the most important way defensively. They're able to get goals, and it's a complete change to what Tom Saxton has done in the last three years at Michigan State. Granted, he had a wonderful, long career here as the coach of the Spartans, and I couldn't think of a better way to transition into a new style of management under Jeff Hostler. Bouncing off of that, and this ties into something that Luke was alluding to a little bit earlier, do you see Jeff Hostler improving the roster specifically through the transfer portal? We've seen how Lauren Nebeau, the Central Michigan transfer, has had a little bit of an impact. We saw how Ava Cook, the fifth-year senior from Grand Valley, who was the catalyst for a lot of those national champions, do you see him kind of branching out there to improve the roster heading into the offseason? We'll have to ask him, but I believe so. I think the way he's recruited uh, Justina Gaynor and... And Lauren DeBow and uh, and obviously Ava Cook from Grand Valley State, three players from from three different schools. His recruiting ability on those have been on point. They're great players. They've been a critical part of this season. So yes, I I would like to see more players coming in through the portal. But I also think his recruiting talent, his recruiting pool, I've we've also heard that it's impressive right now. So 
in the in the coming months we'll see who are the prospects in the at the moment and will they will they be able to make an immediate impact i want to flip back to the men's side really quickly kind of taking a look at the entire schedule the rest of the year both the the regular season schedule and the big 10 tournament in terms of wins and losses and and draws and the success of this team how do you see the rest of the regular season playing out in terms of wins and losses how do you see the big 10 tournament playing out and is there a realistic path to the NCAA tournament for this team? You mentioned that their schedule has just been brutal. Their schedule has been brutal. It's been uh, full of great soccer programs, just great. And for me, the most impressive win that they had was against Notre Dame, 4-3 for Ryan Mutatu hat trick. I wish that game was played here in East Lansing because all of us would have great. We, we, we would have gotten nuts. <clears throat> But yes, in their last three games of the season, they got Ohio State and Maryland at home, and then they finish off the season October 31st at Northwestern. We expect uh, we expect a win today against Ohio State. We expect a win. We expect really a a draw against Maryland would be successful for us. Simply, simply because Maryland is a fantastic team, and they're coming off a lot of wins recently. Recently. So that'll be the first, and then and then against Northwestern. Northwestern is give or take. Sometimes they put in a good performance, sometimes they don't. Either way, to finish off a season and get the most points possible, a win at Northwestern should be mandatory. Transitioning to a completely different aspect, what has been your favorite memory from either a men's or a women's game this year as our resident all Mr. All-American boy who covers both men's and women's soccer and does such a great job? I appreciate it. Thank you. They're both wonderful teams to cover, and I'm happy to cover them for Impact. So for me, women's game, their last game at home versus Ohio State, full of energy. Lauren Kozel with an 87th minute penalty save to keep the Spartans at one nil with a victory and jump into fourth place heading into third. They were kept at third place heading into Michigan, and of course they went into the Michigan game and lost one nil. Michigan is a fantastic team, fantastic players. So to to get out of there with a one nil win with a one nil loss, they felt they felt a sense of pride in that performance. They weren't they weren't ashamed because they played really well, and they're still a, they're still a very young team for the most part. As for men's, like I said, my favorite memory was against Notre Dame. The DeMartin Download group chat went absolutely ballistic when we saw Farai Mutatu score a hat trick to win a, to win a game against one of the best programs in the country. All right. This is just the very this is a very hot takey question. More confidence in the future, men's or women's program on this campus. Uh very difficult, but that's I a, that's a tough for, one. They're, yeah. they, they, I mean they both you have the the, the you have the tradition of, of Damon's side with the men, and then you have the, the new blood and you're a Jeff Hostler guy. So I hate to put you on the spot, but one if you had to pick one. I think the more promising side for me is the women's. I think men's, it's going to take a lot. If we talked about how women have a lot of upperclassmen, Michigan State men's in their starting 11 and their bench have a lot more that they're going to lose. And today is their senior day. It's going to be their last, probably their last home game here. And you're going to lose guys like Jack Beck, Fry Mutadu, and, and Hunter Morse, instrumental guys on the pitch. So I think it's going to be difficult to transition from having that group of players that were in the College Cup in 2018 not so long ago that co- that college cup run so those guys are going those guys are going to be out and so far we haven't been completely impressed with the way the younger players have shown up for Mich- for Damon's side 
Um, one of the players for me that I believe will be a key figure going forward is center back Josh Adam. I had the pleasure of watching him play for Lansing Common this this past summer, and he's already got a goal for in his name from for Damon's side. He's going to be one to look out for. Other than that, we haven't really been impressed by the rest of the freshmen. So if you had to pick one team looking really, really big picture in the Big Ten, whether it be the, in the we'll say the Big Ten tournament, who comes out of the men's side and the women's side in the Big Ten? Big Ten. Oh, God. That's a very big question. I, Penn, I, State, Penn State for men's soccer, I think. Penn is a, is State a, is, a, is a strong, no-brain. eh? Yeah, they're strong. They're still undefeated in the conference. Wow. So, That's impressive. So, yes, they have... Some they have a lot of players in the um in the Herman list, I believe. So Penn State should be locked up for a Big Ten tournament. Other than that, Wisconsin and Maryland have been great. As for women's, we'll take a look here at the latest standings. Luca had a great article last week about the the, the upcoming women's slate for Michigan State. You can see that article if you're interested on impact89fm.org. Who who do you see coming out on the women's side? On the women's side, so far it's Rutgers, which is Michigan State's next wow. opponent. They're currently seven and zero. Rutgers, they they do something Ru- right. Yeah, Ru- they're good at women's basketball too. I mean, and they're also yes, good at yeah, field right. hockey. Yeah, Rutgers women's soccer is, is, I believe, is ranked in the top fifteen. So, their women's they, they, that, that's a great program and a great coach too. Their women's hoops team is very good. Nathan Arella Garantis, look up that name. It was like a twenty-five point a game person every time she played Michigan State and almost single-handedly beat them time and time again. <laughs> one final question for Luca from Nathan before we depart here on the Green White Report: What is one piece of singular advice that you would give a younger soccer reporter if they're going to cover Michigan State athletics? This is great. Oh, that's a wonderful question. It's um. Watch is is watch as much as you can because in in a, in a game in one game the storyline can change immediately in soccer, and and you and you tend to question everything and you tend to be in favor of the latest result when every game changes the every in every game the team changes and they're either challenged or they surpass the challenge and exceed expectations or they don't. So my biggest piece of advice is. We tr- we try not to get too excited about the team, even though they play really well. But we just know that the competition out there in the Big Ten is is real. It's tough. It's, it's great soccer. So it's being up to date with everything. Luke, when did you invite Socrates into the room here? That was some great A wisdom fantastic. that he just dropped. Like it's it's a hybrid of Plato, Aristotle, and Socrates sitting six feet to my right. This was a fantastic spot. We're gonna have Luca back on the Green and White Report to discuss some more men's and women's soccer as both teams get closer to the Big Ten tournament, back to the NCAA tournament. But Luca, thank you a ton for coming in today. Both sides of football, we had them all covered today. So absolutely, and I'll be there today at Ohio State. You can follow me on Twitter. I'll be live tweeting the game and going with a recap shortly after. Quick plug for DeMartin download. Quick plug. We ha- we do have a quick. We we will have an episode this upcoming Thursday, reviewing and previewing everything Michigan State men's and women's soccer and beyond. Thank you, Luca Maloney, for joining us this morning on the Green and White Report. On the other side, Henry Menegos will join us for a college football rush. NFL Lions top of the hour at noon. Plenty of football. The Sparty Awards also on the way. Another Halloween theme and NFL picks to finish the show. Rocking and rolling this morning on the Green White Report. Welcome back to the Green and White Report. 12 minutes in front of the hour. Plenty of football on the way. Once again, thank you to Luke Maloney for joining us live in studio for two segments. A little bit of college football, a little bit of 
Michigan and Michigan State men's and women's soccer. If you're interested in, in hearing that conversation back, you can visit impact89fm.org. Check out the podcast. It is dropped every Monday after the show. You can also find that podcast on Twitter at WDBM Sports, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. So if you're interested in playing that conversation back, it will be there tomorrow morning. But we are joined now by Henry Medigos. A big day in college football. Some crazy upsets, some big games. Time for a little college football rush with Henry. Oh my God! I got a voice. I got hey, a voice. Hey, he's back. All right. This is a this this is a new record. It's it's eleven forty nine, and and Henry hasn't been able to be on yet, man. Yeah, and I'm actually in the studio. There's no glass separating me and the boys. So this I'm is little, great. I'm a little nervous. This I'm is like, an intimate setting. Yeah, yeah. This is this is strange. So, anyways, we can hop right in if you guys are ready. Fantastic. Here we go. Rush question: LSU defeated number twenty Florida on Saturday in Baton Rouge. Was that win enough to save head coach Ed Ordron's job? No. No, it's not. You still have to go to Alabama, to Ole Miss. There's a half-decent chance you still don't make a bowl game. I mean, you're floating right around the 500 mark as is LSU 4-3, and 2-2 and two in the SEC. I'm not sure 6-6 six and six is enough to say his bowl game and going to the bad boy Gasparilla Mowers Bowl. Don't think the LSU donors would be too happy about that. I'm a big Ed Orgeron guy. I've made this abundantly clear throughout the show, but... I don't think it's enough. He'd have to do something monumental like knock off Alabama again if he were to save his job in Baton Rouge. The expectations down there are simply just too high. The team kind of seems unhinged. They played a very undisciplined game yesterday, even though they won. The Dan Mullen in Florida, though, that's something to be concerned about as well. They don't really have a quarterback. They go between Anthony Richardson and Emory Jones. Weird quarterback controversy. They haven't settled on one. Defense is pretty bad. I'm I'm concerned about Florida as well. Henry, are you an Orgeron guy? I'm, Go Daggers. I, that, that's Go exactly Daggers. that's exactly what I thought. I love I love Orgeron. He'll I hope he lands softly after LSU just bags him. Every time you say Baton Rouge, I have that Garth Brooks song just blaring on in my head in a loop. So I love going it. down to Baton Rouge. Like I just have that on my. It's on a loop in my head right now. And it's we'll, awesome. We'll, we'll bump back from a break to that one. We'll we'll bump hey, back. Good call. Good call. All right, here we go. Rush question. Number three, Cincinnati keeps its winning ways alive, beating UCF 56-21 to on Saturday. How real are the Bearcats' college football playoff chances? You know, or go ahead, hey, Luke. I'll just say, what the hell? Maybe they'll do it this year. I, I, I'm just going to say Cincinnati is going to do it. Every year, the group of five manages to not make it. Deservedly so. There are better Power 5 teams than these group of five teams. Sorry, UCF honorable national champions in 2017, so they claim... You know what? Why not? They'll be number two in America because Iowa lost to Purdue. Why not? We'll roll with them. I Unfortunately, mean, yes, they will be. Unfortunately, they're they're going to cats. end the year if they run the table as they should. Still have Navy, Tulane, Tulsa. Two Power 5 wins against Indiana and Notre Dame, both on the road. That alone, in my opinion, should disqualify you from any further discussion for being in the college football playoff because it just how it's not entirely their fault that they play in a weaker conference it's not a team like Michigan Michigan State Ohio State's fault that they're playing and Michigan State would go undefeated with this schedule maybe have one loss at Notre Dame but it's going to be high I don't see them tripping up and I have a hard time thinking if they run the table and win the conference title they're not going to be in all right, Russ, question. Number one, Georgia beat Kentucky 30-13 to on Saturday. The Bulldogs are the field to win the national championship. I'm going to go with the field for now. I am still concerned about what the Bulldogs have at quarterback. Is it JT Daniels? Is it Stetson Bennett? Stetson Bennett is just a fantastic name. 
Stetson Bennett is is who you expect to be an SEC quarterback name. I'm going to go with the field, though. Ohio State rapidly improving. Alabama, I know they lost to A&M. Still not worried about it. I'm sure they'll win out and win the SEC. I'm going with the field. Give me Georgia. This is the year Kirby ah. Smart finally gets off the mat and that Georgia finally does what it's been wanting to do for so long. You're so close in the SEC championship year after year after year after year. That front seven is going to have like five future NFL players. Like their defensive line, like I don't know what you tell your offensive guard if you're facing that Georgia front four. Like, just, I hope to God you went to reconciliation and got anointing of the sick before you went in to play because you ain't coming out of that one a lot. They are terrifying. Give me Georgia. It, it, it Kirby Smart would definitely be breaking the Kirby Smart stigma. He always chokes in the big spots, so I'd be interested to see if it happened. They beat a good Kentucky team, very good Kentucky team. Rush question number four, Oklahoma defeated TCU 52-31 on Saturday night. Is this the year the Sooners finally break through with a win in the college football playoff? You know, this is another what-the-heck one. I said, actually, I said what-the-hell. What You know, I, with Cincinnati making it, yeah, you know what, what-the-hell, they'll do it this year. Oklahoma, they'll probably break the playoff at this point. We'll see about Cincinnati making it, but I'll say they get off the mat and win a college football playoff game this year. They've really rallied around Caleb Williams. They just steamrolled TCU. They're not going to have a problem navigating through the Big 12. Give me the Sooners to win a game. Why not? No, no, no. it's not the year they don't win it. We disagree. Caleb, Willi- it. Caleb Williams is going to come back down to earth here sooner rather than later. Not sure that the meteoric rise is going to be able to be sustained. At the end of the day, this is still a team that only beat West Virginia by three, that only beat Nebraska by seven, that only beat Tulane by five. I've not been impressed with Oklahoma. They've been walking on a razor's edge for about four weeks now, and eventually it's going to blow up in their face. I like it, though. We, we, we finally found something to disagree on, and it is the Oklahoma Sooners. Joey Ellis, if you're listening out there, Boomer. Rush question number two. Iowa fell to Purdue 24-7 on Saturday afternoon at Kinnick. Are we still confident the Hawkeyes will tick the Big Ten West? Yes. Yes, we are. I don't see a reason to not pick Iowa. Yes, that was a debilitating loss yesterday, but you still play Northwestern. You still play Minnesota, Nebraska, Illinois. Who else is going to beat that? Like, the only other team I can possibly think that's going to have a pulse is Minnesota. And they don't have Muhammad Ibrahim. They don't have Trey Potts. They have a couple more difficult games. Still think it's Iowa or Bust. I really do. I, I completely agree. It's very Iowa to lose one of these games. It's very Purdue to, to win one of those types of games. And so, just give me the hawk, guys. It's an Iowa year. Rush question number 12. Oklahoma State picked up a big win over Texas on Saturday. Are the Cowboys' chances at winning the Big 12 each, the Big Twelve title legit? I'm going to say no because I'm extremely confident in Oklahoma this year, but I have a feeling that Nathan might dissent again. Yeah, no, they're legit. You're 6-0. They're, very, they're a very good football team. They are a good football team, and it takes one game. Again, these rivalry games, conventional wisdom goes out the window. In Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, it's going to be a two-horse race. Top the Big 12. I don't know who wins that game, but in terms of, are they legit in terms of do they have like a puncher's chance? Absolutely. Okay, or Spencer Sanders, their quarterback for Oklahoma State, is a very, very good player. The Cowboys also had Chuba Hubbard now starting running back for the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, don't remind me. I apologize if I might have I might have went a little too far there. I apologize. Russ, question: Which program are you more confident in the future of Auburn or Baylor? This is a very, very good question. D- Baylor five and one this year. Nice win over BYU yesterday. Dave Aranda as the head man of that program. 
I, I, I'm very, I like him a lot. He was the great defensive coordinator at LSU when they won the title. Auburn, you have Brian Harson. They picked up a nice one on the road at Arkansas yesterday. Two teams with two good head coaches, plenty of resources, plenty to be excited about. I'm going to go with Auburn, though, and Brian Harson because Dave Aranda could be the next coach of the LSU Tigers. So for that reason alone, I'm going with Auburn. No, I'm going with Baylor. I'm easily going because it seems like Auburn has been stuck in neutral for the past like 15 years, minus the 2011 season with Cam Newton. Like every year they go eight and four, nine and three in the SEC. Baylor's finally they did some nice they did some nice things under Matt Rule after Art Bryles left the program in complete disarray. But having Abram Smith, having Tristan Abner, having all of these guys, Jerry Bohannon, Baylor is a good football team, and they're. I see their peak being higher than Auburn. Auburn just stays in the same swimming pool over and over again. I think Baylor's ceiling is higher. Rush question. Is Old Miss quarterback Matt Corral the runaway favorite for the Heisman? Yes. Yes, he is. I had Spencer Rattler going into the year, and now Spencer Rattler oh, is going to be too, so. somewhere completely else in Kenneth Walker's Heisman hopes. For all the fun and games and everything that I was, they did take a big hit yesterday with the 24 rushes, 87 yards, didn't have a touchdown. Until someone else other than Corral proves that they're able to do something now. I got to go with him. Spencer Rattler is going to be playing for Tulsa at this time next year. There is a lot of egg in my face, too, because I had Rattler winning the Heisman as well. I'm a big Big Matt Corral guy, though. Ole Miss, they got a nice win yesterday over Tennessee. Lane Kiffin has just kind of risen from the dead, from USC and the Raiders and FAU. And now, hey, he's at Ole Miss and he's winning and they're going to be a borderline top 10 team. And Matt Corral is probably going to win the Heisman. He's got a lot of Johnny Manziel in him. And for that reason, I like him a lot. About about noon here on the Green and White Report this morning. On the other side of the break, a little bit of Lions, a little bit more NFL. Sparty Awards segment after that. It's going to be a great Sparty Awards. There will be controversy, so we'll just see what that entails. Here It's 12 o'clock here on the Green and White Reports. We'll be back after the break. We have more extreme controversy this morning on the Green and White Report. It was revealed to us in the break when I told guest co-host for Trent today, Nathan Stearns, that... I told him that Henry did not care for fall, and that was made known on last week's show. And Nathan said, oh, fall is overrated. So we have two people now on this program who think fall is a simply overrated season. Thoughts? Because you do this. It's like, I'm going to sound like a really old man here. It's like the people who play Christmas music the day after Halloween. It's like, you know, the pumpkin. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't dislike fall, but, you know, the pumpkins and the cider mills and the corn mazes. It's like half the people (laughs) act like it's heaven on earth. Like, yeah, I'm walking through a bunch of brush vegetation and getting scratched and whatever, and it's cold and freezing. And to be fair, I do have a different perspective because, like, a lot of the donuts, a lot of the, like, macchiato, like, fall season coffee things I can't have. You can have the cider. You'll yeah. have some cider today. I can have the cider, yes, but I just can't have the donuts, <laughs> which is a big part of it. The whole WDBM family, like we said, is traveling to the cider mill today. So even to those who don't really care for fall, we're all going to embrace it today. But it is time for the Sparty Awards. Last week was favorite fall activities. This week, we're staying in the realm of fall in October, and we're going with favorite candy Sparty Awards. It is everyone's favorite time of week. Nathan and I have three submissions for our favorite Halloween candies, and then Hank will 
chime in with what we missed. Nathan, as the the guest on the program, um, we're going to start off with you. Once again, the topic, favorite Halloween candy for the Sparty Awards. Your first submission. Skittles. I have loved Skittles. I've always loved Skittles. For anyone who knows me, I am allergic to like everything chocolate, milk, eggs-based. So what I used to do when I actually I was a kid was me and my younger brother, Matthew, we would go out. You know, you're, you go out trick-or-treating, whatever, and I would literally trade like, okay, uh, you want three like mounds bars? Yeah, he, yeah give me a, a couple of Starbursts back. And it was that's the, probably going to stove. I was going to say that's trading. probably going to be revealing of the rest of my selections. It's not me not picking chocolate because I would ever like if I eat chocolate right now, I would literally be in the hospital in 15 minutes. So this is a again, another topic where it's like there's a very small avenue which I can navigate. I think this this is very, very off topic, but we are on the topic of your allergies. And I'm I think and I believe that the Twinkie is something that doesn't have eggs or milk in it. And I just bought a bunch of Twinkies over at the apartment. Is that true, Henry? The, the, I, I'm not savvy on the ingredients of a Twinkie, actually. Well, it's got, I was say, whenever <laughs> something like that has, like, I'm looking at a picture now, like, white cream filling is not but a I good think, sign. I no, it's got that, eggs. It says ah, egg shortening. Dang it. That's really a shame. I wanted you to indulge in a Twinkie, but the, we're not talking about But Twinkies. the one thing I could find out, and I still haven't gotten around, I found out I can eat moon pies now. I never thought I could eat a moon pie. I love a moon pie. They're just so delicious. I've never had a moon pie in 22 years, and I read the ingredients. I'm like, holy crap, I can eat a moon pie. This is not the desserts that Nathan can eat Sparty Awards, though. This is definitely Halloween candy, and I hate to, I hate to do this, but my number one submission for Halloween candy and easily my favorite, and I'm speaking for Trent as well, because Trent is a, is a big chocolate guy, big chocolate guy. But a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup Classic. is the best Halloween candy bar none. But, like, Reese's are the best candy for any holiday. You have the Reese's Peanut Butter Tree. You have the Reese's Peanut Butter Pumpkin. You have the Reese's Peanut Butter Egg. The large, like, patty peanut butter cup for all the holidays, particularly Halloween, are just delectable. Delectable. Henry and I are, are we're in unison on this one. Well, I, I yeah, was... you you keep saying the word peanut butter. Like it would be a lot better if that one substance wouldn't cause me to die in fifteen minutes because of anaphylaxis. I feel personally attacked. I love Reese's peanut butter cups. Was, so it's not the be- it's not my favorite candy bar, but there's just you gotta respect greatness. You know what I mean? A million percent. Yeah, you, you gotta respect greatness. That is the, that is the the pinnacle. It's the Michael Jordan yeah, of Halloween. It really is. All right, Nathan. So, I, I, your your first submission was Skittles. I just wanted to put out there that my favorite Skittle is the purple one. I love the purple Skittle. If they just made whole bags of purple Skittles, I would eat them until the cows came home. There's like a tropical fruit like Skittles bag that tastes very very similar to those, but I like the green ones. All I'm right, a big sir. green man. Your second submission. All right, we're going to go with Starburst, another lovely, lovely fruit candy. And the only reason I like Starburst as much as I do is because they're really easy to find. Like the third candy, I won't reveal my selection. I actually like more, but they're really, really hard to find. And Starburst are like a, a solid 8.5 out of 10. It's not anything that's going to blow you away, but it's like when you, it's like when you come home after a long day of work and you have a hamburger. Like you can eat a hamburger five days in a row and it might not taste the same after the fourth or fifth day, but it's never going to be completely bad because it is a hamburger. Wow. Come home from a long day of work. Sounds like Andy Reid or something so, like that. Some, <laughs> some people may pour themselves a drink, maybe a scotch, 
Nathan, just have a couple of Starbursts. Take the edge off. What's your favorite flavor? Mine's red. I love red. I like the red and the pink ones. The yellow ones are okay. Um, Not a big yellow or orange guy. The yellow ones have a tendency to get stuck in your teeth more from what my own experience is. And it's like you have to take like a little floss pick and it's like, like taking like the world's smallest jackhammer, like trying to dig it out of your gum line. It is not fun. I give you a lot of credit. Because I, I went to the dentist on Friday, and my dentist said I had fantastic oral hygiene, so I just want to put that out there. But I never floss my teeth, <laughs> but you floss your teeth religiously, and I give you a lot of credit for that. You're very, you're very, very good with that. I still, despite not doing that, have great hygiene. So, hey, this is this is relevant to the Halloween candy Sparty Awards topic, because Halloween is a time when your teeth just rot. Severe gingivitis. Well, you got to watch out for all the dentists out there agree with me. My second Halloween candy submission here on the Sparty Awards is nerds. Everybody loves nerds. Our mm. our general manager, Mr. Jeremy Whiting, at the homecoming parade for MSU just a few weeks ago, he did a shot of nerds. He took the nerds, cracked open the the, the, the box, and, and just did a shot of nerds. And then said, this right isn't my the first rodeo. That, that was the best Jeremy moment in the, in the the since I've been at, at WD. And he just chucked it down, and this isn't my first rodeo, and just walks away. I love nerds, too. <laughs> there are so many great nerds flavors. Once again, I like the purple ones a lot. It's just straight sugar, but they're so good. Yeah, yeah I'm not, not a fan of the nerds, but I will say this, nerds rope. Oh, I love a nerds rope. Separate category. Have you had the nerds rope, Nathan? I didn't even know that. I had no idea that was a fake. It's like a gummy strip. And it's surrounded in nerds, like just like plastered on the outside. It's sweet, crunchy, stringy, soft. It, it, it satisfies all the flavor needs. Plus, I learned something on John Tesh recently. Shout out John Tesh, Intelligence for Your Life every night, you know, 7 to 10 or whatever. If you cr- When you eat crunchy foods, this Sparty Awards segment is just off the rails. When you eat crunchy foods, it makes you want to eat less. Because your jaw and your body technically has to work more to eat the food. Soft foods you tend to eat more of. Crunchy foods you don't. So by case in point, nerds, my second submission, one, two boxes of nerds, you might be ready to roll and not overeat your candy because they're crunchy. So nerds. So healthy. They're the healthy option. They, they, they are the healthy option. They're the healthier option. All right, Nathan. Your, your third and final submission, which you said you like better than Starburst, but is still very good. Sir. Laffy Taffy's. I absolutely adore Laffy Taffy's because this is a non-chocolate one I can get behind now. Yeah, I, I'm a fan. I love the banana they're, one. They're, they're like, I, those are good too. I like the red one. They're just small and so squishy. Like it's not like biting into a Jolly Rancher where it feels like you're taking a bite of a piece of gravel or and glass. then it get, you know and then it gets stuck in your teeth and then it cracks and then you spend the rest of your day with that annoying little. You know, it feels like a little man's poking you in the back of your mouth and you can't ever flick the little man. So it, I love laughing. I always love those as a kid. Like Skittles. They're just so hard to find, though. Like, you can look up and down the aisles of Meyer, up and down the aisles of Kroger, and Laffy Taffy's are really hard to find. I love Laffy Taffy. Love and the I, banana one. And I love the people that would give me, like, three or four as a kid because I'd be standing there. And then it'd be, like, a full size. I'd get, like, a full size, like, I don't know. What's a famous chocolate brand? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that, and I'd get a, and it's like, oh, thank you, I appreciate it. Remember when, there's a, here's a story, Luke and I, when we used to go trick-or-treating. Some people have drinking buddies, Nathan and I are 
Trigger there was a buttons. house that Very was wholesome. about there yeah. was a house that was about four houses down from him called the hot dog house where like this guy would just open his garage would have like a little grill and you could go up there and just start eating hot dogs that yeah. was my favorite part of halloween it's, it's something you could eat it's a meal i think he used to give people two hot dogs too i love trick-or-treating such a such a great activity my third and final Sparty Awards Halloween candy submission before we go to Henry with what we missed is, Nathan alluded to this, any full-size candy bar that's given out, I am 100% on board with. I don't care what it is. It can be anything from a Butterfinger to a Kit Kat, Hershey bar, Reese's peanut butter cups, anything, a big bag of Skittles, M&M's, any large full-size candy bar or candy bag I am 100% in on that. You, everyone's got that house in their neighborhood that they trick or treat in that is notorious and everyone lines up there because they give out the full size candy bar. For us, we have a house in the, the neighborhood we grew up in in high school that a judge lives there. He is a judge and he gives out the full size candy bars. So shout out judge. And we're going to go to Henry with what we missed. I got to say, boys, I'm, I'm a little disappointed here. What did we miss? Is, uh, is there is there a large notable? Well, uh, first of all, I, I'm a I'm a big chocolate guy. I'm like Trent. I know Trent would be with Trent, me here. Trent is a big chocolate he'd be, guy. He'd be he'd be behind me. But uh, there's just something there's something about this. You know, even like a, you, you just gotta respect the greats. You know, what I'm talking about you guys. You gotta respect the greats. Unless so, you can't eat them. Yeah, well, I was gonna say no, I'm, no, I'm no. excluded. <laughs> you still can respect them. I was saying yes. Not, they may the not classics. be my favorite. They may you not can't be my respect favorite. it if you never taste it. Yeah, no, it's all no, you can respect it. Though. You can see what it does in its in its respective field and be like, that is greatness the, for the brand that it is built. Yeah. This is we're building this you, up. You gotta to really respect be greatness. You know what I'm saying? And, what is and, this greatness? So I'm the, saying this isn't my favorite candy bar, but you just gotta respect. You gotta respect the game. Snickers, the full size oh, Snickers. Man. I love Snickers. I That's mean, a double whammy for Nathan. Peanuts and chocolate. I understand some people can't enjoy, and I like I said, it's not my favorite by any like necessarily. But you just got you just got to respect the game, man. Snickers is the is the LeBron James of candy. Yeah, yeah. Trent loves LeBron, and he loves chocolate. We've established the Michael Jordan. We've established LeBron. You can eat a, a Snickers as a meal too. I have been known to eat a Snickers, Snickers for, for lunch. It does satisfy. It does satisfy. Have a Snickers bottle of water. You're ready to roll. I'll say also another one, kind of a sneaky good one, the Tootsie Rolls that just like, they just like oh. sauce like 10 of them at you when you go to the house. I love they, a Tootsie Roll. This, this, you know, you open up your bag, they just give you a whole handful of Tootsie Rolls because they're like, oh, they're small. People give them a lot of hate. They're like, yeah, they're kind of boring. And love there's fruit flavored ones too. Yes, those ones are, are good. Those I are like those ones. This is something good. we can all agree on. Yeah. Yeah. Did you guys have trick or treating in the UP? God, I'm the worst. We don't have Wi Fi up there either. We don't have cell service. Do you have running water and indoor plumbing? We have a well. We got to go down to the. We got to go down to the creek and get the buckets. Uh, hunting and <laughs> hunting and gathering. Yeah, foraging. I feel. I feel so guilty because I know previous host of the show Ryan Collins used to give you a lot of crap for UP <laughs> stuff. Like, oh, you guys have TV up there. Yeah. And considering I have like half of my family coming from the UP and growing up in the UP, I slander it for no reason so i i you know what i'm gonna throw a flag on myself i'm sorry sure sure but tr- the trick-or-treating scene in in the up i you know i would imagine it's a lot <sighs> different i never really experienced the suburban trick-or-treating you know it, it it's it's a lot there yeah. are a lot of houses you get a sugar rush sure it's a lot I, yeah i'd imagine i'd imagine there's quite a bit of difference but uh it's it still exists i, I got my fill i got, I got my fix. share of candy yeah I got taken care of. Halloween's just such a great time. I, you know, we trick or treated until we were like old. But you know what? It's because we could. Yeah, you just stopped wearing a can. You, you're 17 years old. I, 
I, I eventually lost interest and started wearing just like a sheet and then like cut out a couple of eyes like a ghost. And, you were the ghost from Charlie Brown. How old, how old are you? Aren't you too old? I'll tell you when I'm too old. Put the candy in the bag. What? Which Charlie Brown character is the one that has like all the holes? It's um Linus? Yeah, it's Linus. He's got like a million holes in his, his, his poor ghost costume. I love the Peanuts series. Halloween, Christmas, Thanksgiving. For anybody interested, October 24th at 7.30 on ABC, the, the Peanuts Halloween special is going to be airing on. It's a Sunday. It's going to be airing just ahead, just before Sunday Night Football. So I, I know in our household we're going to be watching the Peanuts Halloween and then Sunday Night Football. It's going to be an immaculate time. I had no idea that was even a thing. I have never seen the Halloween one. Oh my god! I think I. It's, oh, it's, it's, wait, it's is a that great the, one. Is that the? It's, it's the, the great pumpkin, pumpkin Charlie yeah. Brown. Yeah, I saw it when I was a kid. Never. They mind. go to the pumpkin patch. It's it's just they, such a classic. Yeah. All right, we're gonna recap Nathan's top three Halloween candies for the Sparty Awards: Skittles, Starburst, Laffy Taffies. Mine: Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, Nerds, and any full size candy bars given out. Hank had a couple of great submissions too, like. Giving a, a willing tribute to a goat, and that would be the Snickers. 517-884-8989. If we missed anything else, Hank did pick up the Snickers, but if there's anything else that we missed, you can text us in with it. On the other side of the break, Henry will, Henry will rejoin us for the NFL buy or sell. 30 more minutes here, 32 minutes past the hour on the Green White Report. 30 more minutes here on the Green and White Report, another Sunday morning. Luke Sloan, Nathan Stearns here filling in for Trent. Just had a, a riveting segment for the Halloween Candy Sparty Awards. It was a lot of controversy. Some people are allergic to almost all of my submissions. So admittedly, I I, 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 I could have framed it a little bit differently. But we, we do have some feedback coming in at 517-884-8989. I don't know if this text was relevant to our show or not, but our good friend Tony... A frequent WDBM listener and 88.9 fan. Our good friend our good friend Tony, last night I believe he texted in. They must have been talking about food, whoever was DJing. But Tony said that he would recommend the Big Burrito from Pancheros. And I had to put that out on air, even though that, that text from Tony didn't come into our show. Because we are joined by the biggest Pancheros fan on earth in Nathan Stearns. Oh my god. He yeah. loves Pancheros. I have gotten that big burrito more times than I can count. Mo- I just remember driving there once, like, oh, I'm hungry. I wonder what's going to be around. Fallen in love ever since. Better than Chipotle. I've never once Ooh. eaten in Cadoba, so... I wish there was more Pancheros up here, but God, I get those. All. Sometimes I'll get two of them. Tony the, loves the big the burrito. The only thing that stinks, though, is like as soon as you take a bite, it just explodes everywhere. Like the little uh, like tortilla wrapping that they use does not hold anything. But then again, when you're a guy like me who gets three servings of chicken and two things of black beans and everything else under God's blue ball, you kind of have a tendency to go a little overboard. We're rejoined by Henry for an NFL edition of Buy and Sell. Mr. Menegos. All right, boys, here we go. Buy or sell, the Baltimore Ravens will win the AFC North. I'm going to sell. I am a big, and I mean big, Cleveland Browns guy. Fantastic game, Cardinals-Browns, this afternoon from Cleveland. I'm going to sell that. I love the Ravens. I love John Harbaugh is easily my favorite Harbaugh. Great coach. I respect the hell out of what he does. But I'm going to sell that. I'm going with the Brownies. Thank you, Michael Markach. I'm going to buy this. I Wow. I... <sighs> I, I'm waiting for the moment when Cleveland comes back down to earth. I, with, I think without 
half your coaching staff today without Stefanski, without your OC, without all these guys, it doesn't bode well. You can trust Baltimore to be in the running at the end of the year, and then they'll get the div- to the divisional round of the playoffs. Lamar will have three picks, and they'll lose. But this is this is Baltimore money time right here. Going to the playoffs is a completely different discussion, but now I'm going to buy this. I love John Harbaugh. He is such a great coach. They consistently, year after year, win. He ha- They have that Super Bowl. I respect the hell out of what he does. By ourselves, Seattle will go winless with Geno Smith at quarterback during Russell Wilson's absence. I am buying, buying, buying. I am so down on the Seahawks. Their defense is just horrific. Ever since the Legion of Boom players departed, no more Gus Bradley, no more... I'm losing my mind. Guy who's with Dallas now. I'm losing my mind. Dallas is D.C. Help. Dan Quinn. Yeah, Dan Quinn. No Dan Quinn, no Gus Bradley, a defensive coordinator. The Legion of Boom core of players has departed entirely. Their defense is terrible. Geno Smith is terrible. I don't think they win a game with him. I don't I don't think they even beat Pittsburgh. Sal, you ah. do realize in three weeks Seattle's hosting Jacksonville, right? Jacksonville might be the worst team in football. That could and be Urban, Urban Meyer's first win. I was going to say, and Urban Meyer is a dead man walking. Do I think they win any of the other games? No, I don't, but it'll be Jacksonville in three weeks. Urban Meyer acting up. Buy or sell. The Kansas City Chiefs won't make it back to the AFC Championship. I'm going to sell... I, I think it's going to be the Chiefs and either one of the Bills or the Browns. The Ravens could be a dark horse. Nathan's might be a little higher on Baltimore than I am. Lamar Jackson is a legitimate MVP candidate, I'd say. But I'm, I'm going to sell that. Once again, it, it kind of like with the, it's the Ohio State theory. And so the Chiefs prove me wrong. I got to roll with them. Yeah, sell this. Sell this 10,000%. I You're two and three. Guess what? It's a 17-game season. This is still Travis Kelsey. This is still Tyreek Hill we're talking about. This is still Patrick Mahomes. It's early. Kansas City's going to have plenty of time to ride the wheel a little bit. They'll be just fine. Buy or sell. Brandon Staley is your NFL Coach of the Year. I I want to buy this times a million. Brandon Staley, the job he's doing with the Chargers has just been fantastic. They already picked up a win this season at Kansas City in, in just a brutal, hard-fought game. Staley was rumored to be a candidate and interviewed for the Lions head coaching job. We would have been incredibly blessed to have him in Detroit, but obviously he didn't come here because he wanted to win now. He was in L.A. with the Rams as their D.C. But Staley, he relates to the players. He goes for a lot of fourth downs. He's a numbers guy, quote-unquote. I am all in on Staley in the future of the Chargers. Bye, bye, bye. Bye as well. Doing an absolutely sensational job. It's weird to me to think that a guy who is the DC with the Rams last year is now overseeing Justin Herbert, and Justin Herbert's playing better than he was last year. He's growing under a defensive-minded head coach. What Staley does, as you mentioned, Luke, is conducive to what you need to do today to win in the NFL. You're not at the days anymore when it's fourth and two on your opponent's 45-yard line and you're punting, trying to pin them deep. He knows how to connect with his players. He's really good with the media. He's a very good orator, and he's a guy that is not a screaming old-school guy, but he knows what buttons to push. He knows to get the best out of his players. That's another dark horse team Possibly for the AFC Championship. I'm that high on the Chargers. I completely forgot the Chargers when talking about who's going to be in the AFC Championship. There's just some heavyweights in the AFC. Baltimore, the Browns, Buffalo, the Chargers. It's going to be interesting to see how that funnels down. Davis Mills and David Coley. Oh, no. By ourselves, the Raiders will make the playoffs after the resignation of John Gruden. 
Sell. Oh my God, Sell. He's. I mean, <laughs> that locker room has been destroyed beyond repair. The trust. The those guys are just waiting. Uh, you. You. That's not something that you can just whitewash. Let's say you know before we go too far down the rabbit hole here. I just. I have to sell that one million percent. That locker room is an absolute dumpster fire right now. And firing John Gruden and firing John Gruden isn't going to be enough. I think a lot of the, a lot of the players who are a part of the Raiders organization would like to see something happen for more of a systemic issue and fix more of the deeper lying issues that exist within the organization. And until that happens, I'm not sure the players will have any trust in the Raiders interim head coach, which is what the. Gruden's DC or something like that, or yeah, like Rich Scarnecchia or yeah, some somebody guy I've never heard of. I ne- I I could not agree with you more. I, I feel terrible. I'm selling this. I feel just horrific for the players the Raiders have in the locker room. It's only week six. They have to grind out the rest of this year after playing for a complete bleep hole to to use a Nathan Stearns term, and and now they have to grind out the rest of the year. Locker room is shredded. Sell, sell, sell. Buy or sell, Denver will make the playoffs out of the AFC. I'm sell. I, I'm going to sell that as well. I I, th- I just simply think that the division they play in with the Chargers, with Kansas City, you know, even throwing the Raiders, way, 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 way too deep. Baltimore and, and Cleveland, one of those two teams will win the division. The other will go to the wild card. Uh, you know, the Colts could be a sneaky wild card team. I'm going to sell that. I am going to sell this 1 million percent as well. Much as I hate saying it, much like Carolina. Everybody was jumping on the Vic Fangio Denver bandwagon. Oh, we're 3-0. We're 3-0. We're atop the standings. Congrats. You beat the Giants, the Jags, and the Jets. Maybe the three worst teams in football, minus Atlanta, minus the Houston Texans. Got killed by Baltimore. Got killed by Pittsburgh. Teddy Bridgewater is not a good quarterback, Teddy guys. touchdowns, baby. I, I, I've, I, I've seen it firsthand, and there's a reason why I called him Captain Checkdown. Third and 15, we're going to throw a five-yard crossing route, 10-yard short of the sticks. Now, Denver's hey, not a good don't team. Don't dog my boy, Teddy Two Gloves. Don't dog my boy. Teddy Two Gloves. Is Teddy, oh, I was gonna, Former well, Minnesota quarterback. Touchdown, Teddy. I love him. Hey, buy or sell the Giants, Joe Judge, and Dave, Dave Gettleman will be fired after the season. I'm buying this. Judge is horrible. They have inner squad fights, like in the preseason. Dave Gettleman is an idiot. Just the worst general manager in the NFL, and it's not even close. They're both, the Giants are horrible. Bag them both. Well, you're trusting John Mayer to actually make a cogent business decision. Yeah. So what you and I are thinking, I'm not sure that he's on the same wavelength with, but I do think he's going to be gone as well, because even someone like Mara. You got to think, hmm, is the franchise quarterback that we bet our Danny entire Dines. franchise on, how's he doing? Oh, well, no, he stinks. And otherwise, you know, he can't stay healthy. Saquon can't stay healthy. You don't have a good offensive line. The Giants are a complete dumpster fire. And I still don't know how Carolina went to the Super Bowl with Dave Gettleman. Because when you're trying to build a team by running to Dollar Tree and doing bargain shopping and trying to make Jericho Cotri your number one wide receiver, doesn't end up very well. They need to go. Gentlemen, it's just so bad. The head coaches they've had since Tom Coughlin, Ben McAdoo, just the lit, the Joe Judge, the list of terrible decisions they've made is just long. I'm buying that. Buy or sell, the Arizona Cardinals will win the NFC West. Sell. You a Rams guy? Yes, I am a Rams guy. I'm not even like I'm not even like a Matty Stafford, you know, second coming of Christ Almighty like a lot of fans in LA are, but I I think they're better, yes. I think Kingsbury's still got to prove that he can sustain it for an entire year. It's been a heck of a start, but you got some tough games coming up. You know, 
once Russell Wilson comes back, and you know, I don't think Seattle makes the playoffs, but that's not going to be an easy game. So no, I've got to sell this. I'm selling this as well. I'm very, very high on the Los Angeles Rams. Stafford is having a nice year so far. Their defense, even though they don't have Brandon Staley anymore, is still very, very good. I'm in on the Rams. A big, big Cardinals guy. I think they're going to make the playoffs. They're having a very nice year. Kingsbury, Kyler Murray, they're really gelling. I don't think they're going to collapse the second half of the year. So I'm in on them being good, but not to win the NFC West. 1245 Eastern Standard Time here in East Lansing, Michigan. One segment to go here on the Green and White Report, and that would be the picks. We're going to bring in Henry. We're going to bring back Luca Maloney, who is still here in studio to make some NFL selections against the spread. You're listening to the Green and White Report. Is this the Impact 89 FM Studios or the dance floor at Harper's? I don't even know anymore. We're having just a fantastic time. Luca Maloney has rejoined us in studio. Luca and I may or may not have perished an establishment. We're not going to, no free plugs, so we're not going to say that. We may have perished an establishment last night. We may have done some dancing. We're doing more dancing now in studio. A little damage. Just, just, I don't know, the wallet, not the greatest night for the wallet. It's okay, though, because it is time for the NFL picks against the spread. So far, yes, it is the NFL picks. There's nothing that gets you more juiced up than the bed of the NFL on Fox Sound. It's time for the picks. It's been a just a tumultuous year with the picks so far. Last week, the, the, the green and white reports bull, as one would say, was just a thriller. I thought Trent and I were going to come out on top. I thought the Lions were going to win, but as as with the Lions, they found a way to lose. But we're joined again in studio by Henry Metagos for the picks. Here we go. First game, Green Bay Packers. Favorite minus five and a half. Travel to play the Chicago Bears. I got the Packers covering that five and a half point spread. I think they're going to win big over the Bears. Green Bay, Justin Fields, inexperienced. Aaron Rodgers, good. Uh, yeah, give me the Packers. I, I think uh, they win at least by a touchdown. I'll play the devil's advocate. I'll do the Chicago Bears. There we go. Justin boy. Fields. Someone, someone got to go against the Packers here. Here we go. Next game, Houston Texans travel to play the Indianapolis Colts. Colts favored minus ten and a half at home. Way too many points. I mean, I know it's Davis Mills and the terrible Houston Texans and David Culley, but that is way, way too many points. Give me the Texans getting ten and a half. Guess what? Indianapolis is also one and four. Way too many points in an NFL game. This is easy. Give me Houston. I'm a big Frank Wright guy, but they're struggling. Henry. Yeah, you know, I, I was going to say the same thing, but you know what? Give me the Colts here. I think um, the little, Texans are pretty bad, so get, give me the Colts. Get well game. Yeah, sure. I'm with Henry. I'm going with the Colts. Next game, we got the Los Angeles Rams traveling to play the New York Giants. Rams favored minus 7.5 on the road. With the aforementioned New York Giants are just a horrific organization. Dave Gettleman's terrible. Joe Judge is terrible. And they're going to just get creamed by the Rams. Give me them to cover. Yeah, and it doesn't help when Daniel Jones is at 65% <laughs> and Saquon Barkley's missing the game. Give me the Rams easily. You know, I like the Rams here, but I think uh, maybe they don't win by 7. I don't think they cover at 7.5, so give me the Giants. I'm going to do Rams. Next game, we got the Kansas City Chiefs traveling to play the Washington football team. Chiefs favored minus 6.5 on the road. Washington football team is a joke. Give me the Chiefs to cover. They're a joke. Joke. Like Taylor Heineke, but don't like him this much. Give me Kansas City. Yeah, Kansas City uh, really needs to get things uh, kind of jump-started again. I think they win by at least a touchdown. Love it. Yeah, Kansas City needs a win. 
A lot of, lot of consensus picks so far. We'll see if we start disagreeing. Right, we're halfway down the list. Big we'll one see. coming up next. Hey, Sterns, this one's for you. Now, we got the Minnesota Vikings traveling to play the Carolina Panthers. The Vikings are favored minus 2.5 on the road. Give me Minnesota. Carolina's not been the same without oh, Christian no. wow. McCaffrey. Well, that and, was and, very interesting. It, wow. it, it, it hurts me to say that, but I'm trying to be as objective as I can. And Carolina has the worst offensive line in the NFL. It frankly isn't close. Until you can prove that you can beat a team with a pulse and you didn't beat Philadelphia last week, I will jump on back on the bandwagon if they can win today. But no, I'm picking Minnesota. Keep pounding. I'm going with the Panthers. Wow. This is not what I expected. This is very uh, anticlimactic. I'm, I'm, go- I'm going with the Panthers. What, what the heck? What the heck? That's your, that's your reasoning. What the heck? <laughs> that's been the reasoning for a lot of the takes. <laughs> Everson Griffin show is so going far. to take Cam Irving's lunch money again and again and again and again. Give and me again. Sam Darnold leading them to a fourth quarter touchdown drive to win the game. See, you got it all wrong here. I think the Vikings win by at least a touchdown here. Skull, baby. Skull. Skull Vikes. Luke, I think Delvin yeah. Cook is b- is back in full effect this week. Good for my fantasy. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're gonna get the wide receiver duo lighting up the scoreboard. Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. Yeah, that's exactly that's right. So I'll do a skull clap. Yeah, that's right. G- give me the Vikings big here. I'm going with the Vikings. That's it. The purple people leaders. It's that easy. That's all you need. I to say. love it. All right, next game here we go. Los Angeles Chargers traveling to play the Baltimore Ravens. Ravens favored minus two and a half at home. All right, Luca is up first with this one. His beloved Los Angeles Chargers, Mr. Maloney. I grew up a San Diego Charger, and of course, I'm going to keep going for them. <laughs> Easy. So you're taking those plus two and a half. I have absolutely no. They clue. win by a touchdown. I I have no clue why the Chargers are an underdog and they're right. getting two and a half points. Give me the Chargers, like Lucas said, by a touchdown. Sneaky, great game. Chargers at Ravens. I think this is yeah. This line is kind of weird to me. I agree. Um, I think Chargers win. Not I'm not gonna say win easily, but I think this is a, a very winnable game for them. I think they take this one by a touchdown. Brandon Staley's coming to Jesus moment. The NFL give oh. me the Chargers. Puts the rest of the NFL on blast. That's that's a sneaky great game. That, I mean, that could have been that's a candidate for. Game. I think Monday Night Football is is Seahawks, uh, Steelers, which. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and you can't see... Geno Smith, fun time! Oh, no, that's going to be a blast. A great game, though. This is a great game. we got another good game coming up here with the Arizona Cardinals traveling to play the Cleveland Browns. The Browns are favored minus three at home. I'm going to take the Browns to cover in this one. I'd say they're going to win by a touchdown. This is just a, I mean, Super Bowl matchup, question mark? I don't think so. I wouldn't go that far. But a great AFC-NFC matchup. Should be a great atmosphere in Cleveland. Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, a couple of great college quarterbacks, a couple of great NFL quarterbacks. I'm going to say it's a battle. I know the Browns have no Nick Chubb, but I don't see that being a problem. Give me them to cover three points. Arizona will not, not be defeated anymore, or will not be undefeated anymore, excuse me, come 4 o'clock in Cleveland. Ah, wow, wow. Yeah. I, you, know, you guys know I've been high on the Brownies on this show. Very much so. I've been Dog singing pound. their praises. And Dog I've, pound. Yeah, I've been singing their praises. I've been, I've been a big fan of the team this year. But give me the Cardinals oh. here. I think they come out. They're going to win money line. Actually, this uh-huh. is Cardinals game. This is Cardinals game to lose. I think. I like that. Uh, uh, dis- some dissent going against his brownies, Luca. I'm taking the brownies. Ah, there it is, man. Everybody's on the brownies, but Henry. This Usually, is a very it's, strange. Uh, it's kind of been reversal. the opposite of that this year. Yeah, I don't know what's going on here. Also, but. breaking news: the Jacksonville Jaguars win on a last-second 54-yard field goal. Urban Meyer, first win in the NFL. Oh, Brian Flores, what has happened to you? Miami. Talk about a fall from grace. My goodness. 
Next game, we got the Las Vegas Raiders traveling to play the Denver Broncos. The Broncos are favored, minus five at home. I, I'm, I'm going to take the Raiders to keep this one close. I think five points is too many in, for a division game. I know the Raiders are just reeling right now. I see Denver winning by about a field goal, but I'm, I'm going to take them in the points. I'm going to take the Raiders in the points. Give me, I will keep you guys in suspense. No, I won't. Give me Denver. I ah. think the Raiders are counting down the days until they can go home after week 17. I know Teddy Bridgewater, senior captain, checkdown isn't the world's best NFL quarterback, but I'm going with Denver. Oh, no. I, I'm also taking Denver here. Uh, just to Teddy guy. A teddy I'm a guy. Teddy guy, and, and Nathan Stern's got to be fired up right now. I won't have, I'm going to throw for 303 touchdowns. No interceptions. He's going to have a great day against the downtrodden Raiders team right now. Nathan picked your Vikings. Yeah, it's unbelievable. That's a strange day. You know, it, Raiders camp not too high right now. So, yeah. well, I don't think this is a game they're going to come out. I think uh, Broncos can cover five. Mr. Maloney. I agree. Broncos take this. Too many problems going on with the Raiders right now. Yikes, my Raiders pick. Might have some egg on my face with that one. Next game, we got the Dallas Cowboys traveling to play the New England Patriots. The Cowboys are favored, minus three and a half on the road. I'm big on the Cowboys this year, and I mean big. I think they have, they're easily going to win the division. I think they have a chance to win a playoff game this year. I'll take the Cowboys by 10 points, easily covering three and a half. Dallas is a dark horse NFC team with CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper and Ezekiel Elliott, and they're better on the defense, led by Randy Gregory. Leighton Vander Ash is in the middle. Mac Jones is not good at football. Give me Dallas. How about them Cowboys? Dallas yet again playing on a Sunday night. How Every week. How are <laughs> it's, the, how, it's Baltimore and Dallas. It is unbelievable. They own primetime. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think uh, Dallas playing pretty good this year. They're a much better football team, but I think the line is so small because you just can't count out Bill, Bill Belichick and those Patriots ever. So I think Cowboys win here, though. I think this is, a, again, another one that's their game to lose. I think Cowboys cover three and a half. I like that. This is very close because of the New England sturdy defense. It's going to be, the, I still think the Cowboys take it. Low, I, I could see it being a low scoring game. Yeah. They could try to run the ball with Ezekiel Elliott. I think that's very realistic. Every Sunday night. How is, how is this happening? It's it's not fair. It's America's not team, Jerry Jones, rock and roll. Yeah. I hate bring the back, Cowboys. Bring back Tom Landry and Troy Aikman. Yeah. Next game. Seattle Seahawks travel to play the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Seahawks are giving are taking five points on the road. I, I'm, I'm no gonna, free ads. I got to be right back. Yeah, no free ads here on Impact 89 FM. So I guess I'm going to have to speak loudly. But I'm going to take Pittsburgh in this one. I'll take them to cover those five points. I, I don't see a world where Geno Smith goes on the road to Pittsburgh and wins. Give me the Steelers. Yeah, I've not been impressed with Pittsburgh this entire season, but I have no idea how Geno Smith is still in the league. So He's with starting that being said, to be in one of my fantasy leagues. Kill me. Pittsburgh yeah, I'm in terrible win. shape. Yeah, Geno's bound to have a nightmare. So I think Pittsburgh needs the win more than anything here. I'm... Even though I think Pittsburgh's going to win this game, just because Seattle is beaten and bruised and has Geno Smith at quarterback, I'm, the, the future of the Steelers is is bleak. But give me them in this game. Henry's back in studio for his pick. So far, we're all on the Steelers. Can, can I pick neither of these teams? Yeah, what a yeah. crummy game. Can, can I say Jeez. both of them lose? How, I don't know. The fact that that game is in prime time. Oh, Seattle's taking five Gross. points. Uh, yeah, I guess Seattle. I don't. I think the Steelers win, but. Um, Rock fight. Maybe we'll not be tuning into this game. Yeah. Potentially not yeah. tuning into this tuning game. Tuning in and out. Just Do see. some homework, laundry, cook dinner, anything. Read a book while we're watching this. All right, last pick. It's your guys' Lions. I'm going to throw my pick out here first, uh, run back in the studio. But we get the Lions traveling to play the Bengals. Bengals favored, minus three and a half at home. 
Guys, this is a tough one. I this really want tough. I want Campbell to get that win. But I love what Joe Burrow's doing oh, this year. Joey B. Trent would oh, not be happy. I love him at home. I just want to say I know Trent's like, one Brad! Trent would pick the Lions, so I just want to give Trent's pick submission because he's not here. Trent would pick the Lions. Henry's right. not on the Lions, though. No, I'm taking I'm taking the Bengals, guys. I'm sorry. I am going to take the Detroit Lions to win their first game of the season. Cincinnati had a roller coaster of a game last week against the Packers. They could be in a position for a letdown game after that emotional thriller. Give me the Lions. Give me Dan Campbell to, to finally get that first win as head coach. And it'll be exciting because the players will be going crazy. Oh, give me Cincinnati. I've been saying for four years Detroit needs to be demoted to the CFL. Boo. <laughs> Boo. All right, Luca. I'm going to go with the Lions just because yes. I want to see my roommates happy for once. Yes. <laughs> On a Sunday. You're not a Lions fan. You're not a Lions fan. You're not a Lions fan. But we can all agree that we want Dan Campbell to get this win, and we're coming together as a unit right now. Yeah, that was such a tough loss last week. Fantastic green and white report, though. Thank you, Luke Maloney. Some MSU football, men's and women's soccer. We had NFL picks. We had college football. Thank you, Nathan Stearns, for stepping in for Trent today. One pride. Trent's down in Detroit at Ford Field. Tell a friend about the show. If you missed any of it, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Another great show. Another Sunday. It's a good day to be alive. We're all headed to the cider mill after this. So have a great rest of your Sunday, and we will see you soon on the Green and White Report. You have been listening to the Green and White Report on WDBM. For all your sports news and notes, go to impact89fm.org/sports.